Amen. Praise the Lord. What a great song that is. I love singing about Jesus. I thought something happened. I thought somebody fainted or something. She was just saving the, the communion dish. Yeah. So, all right. I was looking all over. I thought she was coming after me. I didn't know what happened. I thought she was going to tell me, stop singing. I was in third grade one year and I was standing. I used to, I've always, just since a kid, I'd sit on the front row at church. I'd sing as loud as I could sing. And uh, I had a guy tell me, be quiet. He says, you really don't sing that well. Third, seriously, third grade, he just put his ear, his finger in his ear next to me. And uh, yeah, how many of you feel bad for me? Say, ah, yeah, yeah. So don't do that to a third grader. Unless he sings like me, then you might want to. But I'd sit there and I'd sing as loud as I could. I love singing in church. I love it especially this, these songs about Jesus. All right, Acts chapter number nine. Acts chapter nine. We are going to end our service today at, with the Lord's Supper. And I'm glad that um, we have a full plate of juice that uh, about tipped over this morning um, to do that with Acts chapter number nine. And let's begin reading this morning in Acts uh, verse number 19. Would you follow along with me, please? And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was, Saul, then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Amen. And that's what we preached, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on the name of Jesus, uh, or in, on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Didn't take long, did it? Just a short matter of time. They were gonna kill him. But their lying in wait was known of Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by the night and led him down by the wall in a basket. We're continuing our series uh, here through the book of, of Acts. We came to this man by the name of Saul in this chapter. Saul was on his way to Damascus and Saul on that road to Damascus, he met Jesus Christ and his life was changed from that point forward. His, he, his life was converted, he became a, a Christian, he became a child of God. We found last week that there was a man by the name of Ananias and I challenged our church last week to be an Ananias to someone, encourage someone in the work of the Lord. You might not be someone like the great apostle Paul was. You might not go around the world. You might not be a, a pastor of a church, but you can always encourage someone to serve the Lord like Ananias did. We come now to Saul. In verse number 18, the Bible says, immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. We see this Saul, the beginning of Saul's ministry. And I want to uh, continue our series in this total makeover. What does Saul look like? And in just a little while, his name is going to be changed to Paul. He's going to be the great apostle Paul. So maybe you get a little confused. I pre I'm preaching, I'm saying Saul and Paul, and you're saying, which person is he talking about? Yes, <laughs> that one. His name was Saul. 
And now that he's saved, we're gonna find in just a little bit here, his name's gonna be changed to Paul and he's going to be the apostle Paul that we read about through the book of Acts that wrote the majority of the New Testament that trained men like Timothy and Titus that wrote so much scripture that challenges us and encourages us. He set the doctrine of the church in order. That's the great apostle Paul. This is Saul, the man that we're speaking of here today. Now that Saul was saved, we find here some things that he began to do. And the lessons that he gives us in these short verses here, I think this, that we can apply these to our lives. If you're saved, now what? What should we do? How should we behave? How should we act? How should we move forward for Christ? Salvation is such a wonderful thing. Paul described it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I loved the music this morning, just continuing to sing about Jesus. That What a wonderful name that name Jesus Christ is. And because of Jesus Christ, we, are, we can be saved. We are a new creature. Old things, Paul said, are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We don't stay the same way we used to be. We don't have to be that, that rotten sinner that Christ had to come to die for. We are a new creature in Christ. Saul had a, a testimony of, of going around and persecuting the church. Saul would imprison innocent people for simply believing in Jesus Christ. Saul would kill. He stood there at the feet of Stephen, one of the first deacons that was killed for preaching Jesus Christ as he took the coats of those that picked up stones to stone Stephen. This was Saul's testimony. But Saul no longer has to have that testimony any longer because he is now a new creature in Christ. Saul is a new man. And if you're saved today, you too are a new creature in Christ. And I want to see today that change in Saul, the impact that it made. Look with me again in verse number 19 this morning. The Bible says this, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Now, remember, he had not eaten for three days. Saul, after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was blinded and, and obviously a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. Saul thought that he was serving God by going and persecuting these Christians. Saul thought that he was doing a good thing. He was a religious man. He was serving the chief priest. He grew up in Jewish law. He thought that his, his desire to, to persecute the Christians, to bring them under bondage was a, an honorable thing. And then he met Jesus. He thought this Jesus was a, a scam. He thought he was just another person that came to, to confuse the people. He thought what Jesus was preaching was heresy. How could Jesus say that he is the son of God? And how could these believers now that are following Jesus say that he is the son of God? The heresy that they're, they're teaching and preaching, they're pulling people away from the law and Judaism to, to believe this false teacher. This is what Saul thought. That's why he was so eager to uh, persecute the church. Now he comes to this road on the way to Damascus and he meets Jesus face to face. 
See, Saul denied the resurrection. He didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He didn't believe that the cross was a payment for mankind's sin. He didn't believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. He simply thought like the others thought, that the disciples had moved Jesus into another grave. This whole thing was a scam that they were believing in. And now he meets Jesus face to face. He can't deny it anymore that Jesus is the Son of God. He cannot deny it anymore more because he's seen him now on this road to Damascus, that Jesus is alive and that he is no longer in the grave. And he's confused. He hasn't eaten for three days. Ananias comes and prays over him and gives him some answers. In verse number 19, he receives meat. He's strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. I want you to write this down, please, this morning. Evidence of his total makeover, this change in his life. He was willing to learn from those that were stronger in the faith. Saul stayed there. Physically, he was strengthened. But also spiritually, he was strengthened as well. He sat there learning. The Bible says that certain days, I'm not sure exactly how many days that is, but we do know this, that Saul stayed there with the disciples that were at Damascus, learning from them of this Christian faith. Once Saul was saved, his eyes, uh, his, he was eager to learn. He was eager to grow. He was eager to understand this new change in his life. Because maybe you're here this morning and you've just newly been saved, then I want to challenge you to be eager to learn what's in this book. Be eager to grow as a Christian. Yes, you've got eternity, but God has something for you here on this earth as well to do for his glory in his name's sake. And Saul was learning and he was eager to learn from those that were stronger in their faith. You see, salvation, what I find here in this passage of Scripture, salvation doesn't leave you the same way it found you. You're different, you're changed, you're new. It doesn't leave you the same way. And, and we ought to be eager then to learn, to, to grow in our Christian faith. Turn over to the book of Romans, if you would please, this morning. The book of Romans, just a few pages over. Acts, Romans, chapter number five, if you'll go there. Romans chapter number five. And I want you to follow along with me if you would. We're going to read several verses here in this chapter. Romans chapter number five. I want you to pick up reading with me in verse number 12. The Bible says this, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that one man is who? Adam. Adam, remember Adam and Eve sinned and, and uh, because of that, sin entered in the world and every single human being born into this world now, you and I, and everyone since the fall of man is born into sin. The Bible says this, um, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all that, for all have sinned. Every single mankind, every single person, every single uh, male and female that have been born since Adam and Eve sinned, we've been born with a sin nature. We've been born into death. But the Bible goes on to say this in verse number 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. 
It goes into verse number 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear me this morning, every single person born into this world, you are born with a sin nature. You are born to die. You are born with that sin, and there must be a payment for that sin. But grace abounds where sin abound. Grace abounded much greater. And what do you mean by that? Because we're sinners, we deserve death, but Jesus Christ came and he paid that sin debt. We don't deserve it, but we still get it from Jesus Christ. That is grace. And where grace abounds, much more abound. The Bible says in verse number 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Look with me in chapter number uh, six, verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Because of this grace, because of this eternal life, we are sinners and we don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell. We deserve the punishment for our sin. But Jesus Christ, that's God's grace to us, came and died on the cross so that we don't have to pay that sin debt. And once we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we receive eternal life. And then the author of Romans says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Should we continue behaving like the old man? Should we continue to, to be what we used to be? He answers, he says, that, that uh, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He says, yes, what? You don't have to live in sin any longer. You're dead to sin because of the grace of God, because of Jesus Christ. Look at me in verse number six of this same chapter. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You see, as Saul was sitting there with these disciples, Saul was sitting at the defeat of these disciples there at Damascus. He was learning about this. You see, Saul thought by doing good, Saul thought by obeying the law, Saul thought by uh, uh, learning the Old Testament and, and living under the law and living under the bondage of that, that that's how you were going to receive life everlasting. But he now is being taught that the law can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can. He was being taught now every single one of us were born dead and trespasses in sin, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's learning this here at the feet of these disciples. Look with me in verse number six again. The Bible says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Go on to verse number seven, for he that is dead is freed from sin. All that will encourage you today. That'll encourage your heart. You're free from sin today. Sin doesn't have a hold on you any longer. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, Satan thought he had this, this one. But when that precious blood was shed and that precious blood was placed on the, the mercy seat there in heaven, that was sufficient enough to be the payment for your sin. There is nothing else required. There's nothing else needed. What Jesus Christ did on the cross and the blood that was shed, that is sufficient payment so that you could be freed from sin. 
He goes on to say in verse number 10, these are the things that Paul, Saul, would be learning there in Damascus about Jesus Christ. He says in verse number 10, for in that he died. He died unto sin once, but in that believe, uh, in, in, but in that he liveth, and he liveth unto God. Jesus Christ is not dead, he's alive. He died for our sin once. It goes on to verse number 11, he says this, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear me today, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, you are alive you are going to experience eternal life. There has been a total change, a total makeover of your life. That old man that, that uh, was dead and trespasses in sin, you've got the Holy Spirit of God now living and dwelling inside of you. It goes on to say in verse number 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You don't have to be yielded to sin. Don't give in to sin any longer. Don't live for sin anymore. You see, for Jesus Christ, we were living to our lust and our flesh and whatever this, this, this flesh wanted, we gave into this flesh. But we don't have to live to sin any longer. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield ye yourselves unto God. Every single person that is a new creature, yield yourself, give yourself, surrender yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Listen, what he's saying is this. You don't have to give your life and give your members or live for, for sin any longer. We now ought to live for God. It's not just, well, I'm saved and I've got fire insurance and I'm going to heaven now. Now I'm gonna go back and live however I want to live. Paul says this, God forbid, we don't, we, don't, we don't live under grace and so we decide to live however we want to live. We're not in bondage to sin anymore. We don't have to serve sin any longer, but we get to serve God this morning. We get to, to, to serve him. We get to lift our voices up this morning and sing. We get to work in nurseries. We get to usher. We get to work at the doors. We get to teach classes. We get to give to the Lord. We get to worship him today. We get to serve God. We ought to choose to yield ourselves and yield this body to serve the King of kings in the Lord of lords. Oh, what a wonderful thing that is. The Bible says this in verse number 14, follow along with me, the same chapter, for sin shall not have dominion over you. <laughs> you hear that? Sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not a slave to sin any longer, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. He goes on to say in verse number 15, what then? He asked this question, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says it again, God forbid. I don't have to sin anymore, but should I? Because now I'm not dead to the law any longer? No, no, I, I want to serve Jesus Christ from this point forward. I want to I wanna please Christ. You know, this is the wonderful thing. I can if I choose to sin, but I don't have to. 
all those that say this, I just can't stop it, I just can't. No, listen to me, you have the power because the Bible says this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He didn't say, now that you're saved, figure this out on your own. Now that you're saved, now figure, that, f- figure out how to live the Christian life. Now that you're saved, muster up enough strength, dig down deep inside of you. Listen to me, if there's a preacher that ever says, dig down deep and find that within yourself and you can do good, that preacher is lying to you because there's no good in us. The only way that we have the power to live the victorious Christian life is because the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of us, he's the one that gives us the power. He's the one that gives us the victory. He's the one we rely on so that we can serve Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse number 18. The Bible goes on to say, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I am not a servant to sin any longer, but I'm a servant to the king. Are you serving him today? You see, once Saul was saved and this total makeover took place in his life, he was willing to learn from those that were stronger in in their faith. Bible goes on to say in verse number 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. There's a reward, there's a benefit that you have now that you're no longer under the bondage of sin. You have that fruit unto holiness, the end, everlasting life. In verse number 23, the Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death. I'm so glad the verse doesn't stop there. I'm so glad it doesn't end there. Because if it ends there, it's hopeless. Because every single person, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us are sinners. Every single one of us born after the fall of man. We've been born dead in trespasses and sin. But listen to me, it's not hopeless. The wages of sin is death. Oh, but the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And praise be to him for that. Oh, he was willing to learn from those stronger. He was willing to come together. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing to come and have a, a, a church like this to come to. But, but it's more than just coming together. It's, it's getting around others that can strengthen you in your faith, that can teach you something of the word of God. Not forsaking, coming together with other strong believers that can help you on your Christian walk. He says, and even more as we see the day approaching. Listen to me, you don't have to look very far to see that Jesus Christ is coming again. Oh, all the things that are happening around this world. If you, if you just see the things that are happening today in the Middle East, you see the things that are happening surrounding Israel, you see the things that are happening surrounding Turkey and Iran and Russia and, and Syria, you see all of these things happening. I want you to know this, all of those things we find in Bible prophecy, it's almost like when you look at the newspaper today, it's like looking at the word of God and saying, how did they know? All of these things are going to come to pass. We see Bible prophecy being fulfilled. The day of the Lord is at hand. He's coming soon. He's coming to get his bride. The rapture of the church is coming. And Paul said this, as that day approaches, we ought to desire to be around others even more to be strengthened. 
Oh, listen to me. I pray that you are willing to learn. Secondly, and I need to hurry this morning. Secondly, look back in Acts chapter number nine, if you would, please. Acts chapter nine. We find this in verse number 20. He says this. What did, what did Saul do? He was willing to learn from others that were stronger in their faith. And then verse number 20, the Bible says this, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Now, this is a man that just got saved. He, he hadn't been to a life of church yet. This is somebody that, that he didn't go off to seminary. He, he hadn't even attended a, a Sunday school class. But what did he do immediately? He went out to the places where people were and began to tell them about Jesus Christ. He began to tell them who Jesus Christ was. Oh, secondly, write this down, please. He, be motivated to be obedient to the Lord's great commission. That total makeover that takes place in their life. One thing I see is Paul was willing to learn from those that were strong in his faith. And then secondly, he was motivated to be obedient to the Lord's great commission. In Matthew 28, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen to me, we need, we need as Christians to share the wonderful news of Jesus Christ with a world that doesn't know him. Oh, I see this Paul's burden immediately after he found what Jesus Christ had done for him, after he realized and accepted by faith what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he began to teach and preach the very, the very one that he persecuted, the very one that he denied, the very one that he said was not the son of God. He now stands in synagogues there in Damascus and begins to lift up his voice and say, the one that I persecuted, he is the son of God. Oh, listen to me today, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what separates us from any other religion. All the other religions say that Jesus was a good man or Jesus was a prophet or Jesus was a, a teacher. I say to you this morning that Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a teacher. But he was much more than that. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He is the Son of God. And when we worship Jesus, we worship him in spirit and in truth. He is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of God. And when we came this morning, we are not worshiping a dead prophet. We didn't come here this morning to worship religion. We didn't come here this morning to, to edify man. We didn't come here this morning to put anything above the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, because he is the son of God. And Paul couldn't just Wait, he was motivated to tell all those who Jesus Christ is. Mark 16, 15 says this, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Someone didn't have to say, Saul, you need to go tell somebody about Jesus. And Saul saw what Jesus did for him and he could not wait to tell others what Jesus Christ can do for them. Write this down, number three. Look with me in verse number 21 of this chapter, Acts chapter nine, verse number 21. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which 
called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for the intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt, by, dwelt at Damascus, providing that this is very Christ. I want you to write this down, please. Number three, a total makeover. What I see in Saul's life is he didn't allow his past to stop him from serving the Lord in the present. He didn't allow his past to stop him from serving the Lord in his present. You know what Paul had or Saul? He had a testimony. You know what verse number 21 tells us? It wasn't good. Matter of fact, when Saul goes back and he does meet in Jerusalem, they're a little bit afraid of Saul. But Saul didn't allow his past to stop him from serving the Lord. Did it make it difficult? Sure. Was there some obstacles? Sure. You think it was, it was fun for Saul to, to, to want to serve Jesus, and instead of people looking at Jesus, they were looking at Saul saying, I know who you are. I know what you did. You want us to believe now that, that what you're teaching is true? We know what you did. You used to persecute these people. You used to take them and bind them. And matter of fact, you came to Damascus to do that very thing. And now you want us to listen to what, what uh, you have to say? Oh, hear me this morning. There's going to be some, maybe, maybe in your family, they know your past. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, when he met you, he saved you and he changed you. And maybe there's some that remember the way you used to be and it's discouraging. And you say, I don't know if I can tell them about Jesus because they know everything that I used to be. They know everything I used to do. Saul had the same testimony, but Saul didn't let that testimony keep him from telling people about Jesus Christ. Oh, listen to me, I've said this before. Satan will do everything he can to discourage you to live for Jesus Christ. Well, he'll do everything he can to say, you know what, that's fine. You just, you just live for Jesus, but just, just, just do it privately. Oh, and we start to think, if I start to tell my, my coworkers, I start to tell my family, if I start to tell my, my friends about, about uh, Jesus Christ, they're going to they're gonna mock me and they're going to they're gonna make fun of me because they know all the things I used to do. Oh, listen to me, brother, and don't let that stop you because when you became a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It might be about your past, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. The things you used to do, listen to me, they are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything that Paul, Saul did, listen to me, Saul stood there at the feet of Stephen while they stoned Stephen. Stephen was a, a uh, 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 one in the church, a leader in the church, a deacon that was serving the Lord and simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Saul stood there. And Saul could have said this, you know what, I, I stood there at the feet of Stephen. I can't go out and tell other people about Jesus. I stood there at the feet of Jesus. I put, I put people in jail for preaching Jesus Christ. I can't go out there and live for Jesus now. I'll just be private. I'll thank the Lord privately for what he's done. I'll just live out my faith privately just between me and the Lord. But Saul was so energized. Saul said, I'm not gonna let the past I'm not going to let the things that I've done in the past stop me from serving Jesus Christ in the future. And I say this to you, if you are a child of God, stop looking at your past and start looking at what you can do for Jesus Christ now. And look what his response was. As they said to him, who is this man? Didn't he destroy them? Didn't he put them in bondage? Look at me in verse number 22, but Saul increased the more in strength. 
he got stronger in Christ. He got stronger in the word. He confounded the Jews that dwell at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Listen to me, we ought to live our life proving who Jesus Christ is. I mean, what better testimony is it that yes, they used to know your past. Yes, they used to know the things you used to do when you were under bondage of sin. But isn't it a wonderful testimony for the world to know that's who you used to be, but who you are now because of Jesus Christ is the one that we ought to show off to the world. I need to hurry this morning. You see, Paul wasn't going to allow his past to discourage him. He wasn't proud of it, but he wasn't going to dwell on it either. Hear me this morning. Don't worry what people say. Just determine today that you're going to serve Jesus Christ. I think that's why Paul wrote to Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. He didn't say study to show yourself approved on the man. You know why? Because if you do that, you'll fail. You'll be discouraged. But if you show, study to show yourself approved unto God, that's where our hope is. Hear me this morning. Maybe you're one here today. And every so often, your past haunts you. Christ saved you and he called you to his work. That is behind you under the blood of Jesus Christ Desire to serve him today. And oh, lastly, I want you to look at this, verse number 24. But their laying await was known of Saul. They watched the gates day and night to kill him. And these are the Jews, those in Damascus, that now they're doing to Saul what Saul used to do to other Christians. And I love verse number 25. Because it doesn't say that Saul got out of the city and escaped his life on his own. It doesn't say that Saul figured out a plan and on his own escaped. The Bible says, then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. I want you to write this down in your heart somewhere, please. Realize you need others and let people help. Realize you need others and let people help. Mentors, helpers, friends. Church, we need each other. We need each other in the work of the Lord. None of us can do this alone. This part here, out of all these points this morning, this one here is the one that really convicted me the most. Because I don't like to ask people for help. I don't want people to know that I have a need. Sometimes I think this, if people know that I have a need, then they'll think less of me. And and I want to help people in their problems. And boy, if somebody needs something from me, I'll give them the shirt off my back, as long as I have a t-shirt on. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard for us to ask for help. Saul's facing death just got saved. <laughs> he just started living this Christian life. He just started, he just started on this path. And they were going to kill him. And the disciples came along and said, Saul, let us help. We'll put you in a basket. 
drop you down this wall. You know, Christian, there are times in life that we can't do this on our own. And God has given you an entire church family and community of believers to help you, to assist you. Sometimes pride keeps us from letting that help happen. And sometimes insecurities make us to the place where we don't allow that help to happen. But we need each other. We need to be encouraged by each other. We need to be helped. We need to accept that when someone's willing to help us. We need to accept that when somebody's willing to pray for us. Saul found himself in a place they wanted to kill him. And the other disciples came and said, Saul, let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me put you in a basket. Let me help you down this wall. And do you think those disciples realized what Paul, the apostle Paul, was going to go on and do? They had no idea. But those disciples that helped him get down that wall so that he could escape that sudden death, they were a part of the Apostle Paul's ministry. The, the, the epistles that we read and preach from and study from, we're able to do that because there were a group of believers that helped him down that wall. And Saul said, I'll accept your help. I'm bad at this. Somebody says, you can, I want to help you. And I'll say, no, I'm okay. How many of you ever do that? No, I'm fine. I don't, I want to encourage you. I know I'm good. I'm encouraged. Inside, I'm dying. A few nights ago, my wife, her van broke down. <clears throat> broke down on airport highway and she called me. She says, I'm stranded. She said, I need your help. So I run up there and sure enough, she's stranded. She needs help. And so I sit there and it was, you know, that snow was there and we called a tow truck company and they said it would be a couple hours before they could even get a tow truck out. I didn't mind because they just opened up a Kentucky Fried Chicken there and I said to Michelle, <laughs> I said, I'll go in there and just make sure the restaurant's good. It just opened Saturday. So we're sitting in there waiting and had a church member find out. And a few minutes later, they came walking in the restaurant. I said, oh, you heard there was a new restaurant here? They said, no, we heard you needed help and I want to come help you. You know what I said? Oh, I don't need help. I'm good. I even made some good spiritual and out like, no, no, you need to go serve Jesus tonight. It's so hard for us to take help. But hear me this morning, and I'm done with this. Christian, you need, we need the help of others so that the work of Christ can go forward. Accept it today. Don't let your pride get in the way. Father, Lord, in Saul's life, there was a total.